today. We so enjoyed um, Rachel spending some time at Tesswood and nice to see you in context in this lovely church family. And I've already met some people that I um, met here in 1984. Is there anyone else who was part of the a holiday club team in 1984 other than the few people I've met already? I think there's three or four people. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, that's last century. It's a long, long time ago. <laughs> Um, but for the last um, chapter of ministry, we were at Tesswood, so this area still feels very um, familiar, and it's a privilege to come to look at God's Word um, today. We're continuing the Bible teaching series that you're going through, looking at the kind of ancient um, foundations of faith, looking at the characters who God chose to reveal himself to, and um, seeing how the stories of these Old Testament characters help shape our understanding of God and help us see how we too can live lives of faith and face the challenges of life. Um, so today we're looking at Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who you looked at last week, and Abraham um, was his um, grandfather. Now, um, in um, this new chapter of retirement, I've um, joined an art class and um, lots to learn. And um, it's great to be able to have that challenge. But there seem to be some interesting parallels to life. And one of them is keeping a view on the big picture, but focusing in on detail. And then when that becomes too challenging or too detailed, standing back and looking at the bigger picture which is what we're going to do this morning as we discover what God wants to say into our lives. Now, Jacob's story is told in detail, 24 chapters in Genesis. So you'll be pleased to know we're just going to zoom in on one incident. Um, so if you have your Bible with you, can you turn please to um, Genesis 28, verse 10. And it's there on the back. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to read one sentence first and then pause. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. So why? Why did he leave um, the place where his family was and set out on this arduous journey, 450 miles up to what is now Syria um, on foot? So why did he take that journey? And this is where you can see the uh, extent of that journey. He was actually fleeing for his life. He had cheated his twin brother Esau of his birthright and their father's blessing. He discovered that Esau was going to take his life. He was planning to kill him and so he fled. So that's why it, he left Beersheba and set out for Haran where there were family members, his uncle. So let's read on. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Not to be recommended, it sounds particularly <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, he said, isn't this amazing? We just read it. This was the Lord speaking to Jacob. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. 
All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. We'll pause there. We'll finish up the passage in a minute. What an astounding dream, vision, encounter with God in his dream. He saw a stairway from where he was up into heaven with angels going up and down the stairs. And looking up, he saw the Lord and heard words that were going to shape his life. So we go from focusing on this solitary person, um, settling down, sleeping rough um, on this journey in unfamiliar territory to suddenly a vision of heaven. And it feels like you're at the theater um, and at the beginning, the actor is just standing in front of the curtains. You see this one person and then the curtains open up and there's a spectacular scene behind it. And it makes you wonder what it would be like if we had us, were able to see heaven, um, see the spiritual realities that are all around us. Um, we can't see them. We just see this life. Um, God says, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. Now in about a dozen places, it's actually exact, 12 places in the Bible, um, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Jesus refers to them all in Matthew 22 like this. Now that's significant. Um, not because of their personal characters. They weren't perfect heroes, and we've seen that already, and we will see that again. Their significance lies in the fact that they took God at his word. And so it gives us courage to see that God will involve us too in his plans. If he could involve people like Abraham, like Isaac, like Jacob in his plans, then there's a, a chance for us, because it's <coughs> not about our worthiness. It's about God's character. It's about his grace. But it's about our willingness to be involved and our longing to know him more. Jacob would have um, heard about the encounters that his grandfather had and his father had with God. But now it becomes personal. And that's an important principle because faith needs to be first-hand. We can't rely on other people's experience and kind of piggyback on their stories, or even coming from a family where there's perhaps several generations of Christians. Faith needs to be first-hand. What a joy. It can be first-hand. It's not something that we just are onlookers for. This is something God wants for each one of us, that we will know him. And there's so much encouragement for us for the fact that it was Jacob who encountered God. God revealed himself as the God of Jacob. We see Jacob um, being deceitful. He lies so readily just to get himself out of a tight corner, so self-centered. But God says, I am the God of Jacob. Because God is the God of grace. And he's showing us that none of us need fear that somehow we're beyond rescue 
or that there's things in our lives that if everyone else knew, then they would just blank us because um, they don't want to be seen with us. No one is beyond God's grace. And we see that by the fact that God said he was the God of Jacob. And Jacob encountered God on a bleak hillside. Anywhere can be a holy place if we stop and listen to God speaking to us. I wonder where you encounter God. Perhaps there's a particular place at home where you always sit and read the Bible, and that becomes a, a place where you identify with the fact that's where I've experienced God's presence. Maybe in the car, maybe somewhere beautiful. This is such a lovely area, isn't it? And there's walks that you go on specifically to go to meet with God. He wants us to meet with him. It's not only in church. He wants to share our lives. And think of Jacob's circumstances. God reaches out to him in his uncertainty and his confusion. Um, and that's still true. God reaches out to us. So if you're in a dark place <coughs> right now, if you're lonely right now, I pray that you will sense God's love for you. And God repeated the promise, the covenant he'd made to Abraham and Isaac. And the details are the same as what he had said to his grandfather and his father. He says, I'll give you this land. Um, and he kind of says, yeah, to the north, south, east, west, your descendants will be huge in number, like the dust of the earth. All peoples will be blessed through you. And specifically, he says to Jacob, I'll watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. How amazing that he heard that. Um, he wasn't going to be exiled forever. Um, I will not leave you. Those words are so profound, aren't they? Let's think for a moment. Think about your own experience um, with God. Think of times when he has specifically reached out to you. Um, it's easy when we look at these big events for characters to think that this would be a daily event. And it's clearly not, is there? Because there's, there's just two major encounters with God that we read of in, in Jacob's life. Um, so these extraordinary visionary things, or perhaps sensing God's words you know, personally to you, they, they're alongside the daily going to his word to find out how we're to live, to remind ourselves of his promises, to root ourselves in our faith in him. But perhaps you can think of times where in a moment perhaps of desperation and crying out to God, you heard God or sensed some phrase that was pivotal for you, perhaps at a decision point in your life. You've heard his whisper into your heart, that assurance that he's with you. <coughs> or those times when there's no words, but you have sensed his presence with you, felt that assurance, and that was exactly what you needed at that time. So here's an idea. I tried this this week. I <coughs> wrote down a timeline. Um, so the older you are, you can just do decades. Or <laughs> if you're younger, you could write every year if you wanted to. Um, but the timeline, of the, and write down the key events of your life, and write in there your life story with God. 
when you came to that personal faith in him, perhaps when you got baptized, some decision you made that was you saying to a group of friends, you know, I'm a Christian, whatever it is, look at those key moments and how it was God led you, what he's shown you over the years. You know, it's good to remember the details of your story. So like Jacob would have told this story to his descendants, we too can share that. We have a, a day in our family where we call it, so it's February the 7th, it was this week, God is our provider day. There's a, a, yes, a story, ask me afterwards, but <coughs> an amazing provision from God. And we said we will always celebrate February the 7th as God is our provider day. So this year with the grandchildren, we celebrated it because that's going to be part of our family history now. Um, faith is part of our lives and God's um, grace, we see it in so many ways. So make this personal. So let's see what Jacob's response was. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid which is how often it's recorded in the Bible, isn't it? If they have a, a big experience of God, that sense of awe and, and fear um, is perfectly natural. And said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Um, so Bethel means the house of God. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that he, you give me, I will give you a tenth. That was his commitment then. So this dream, you can see why we're focusing on this, because this encounter with God had a huge impact on Jacob. So do take time over this next week to read on in Genesis and get the big picture of Jacob's life. You'll see that he spent the next 20 years with his uncle Laban in Haran. He married Leah and Rachel and ended up with a large family with the children of two servant girls, um, including that he was the Jacob and sons, the great song in um, Andrew Lloyd Webber's Joseph and his amazing colour, Technicolor Dreamcoat, sorry if you're now going to be singing that all the, the time. But just a, you may ask the question that I do when I read things like this, so does the Bible approve of having multiple wives? It's kind of stated, isn't it, uh, here. Having multiple wives was the culture in the ancient world, and there's reasons for that in very small populations and um, uh, in death in, on childbirth and there's, there's reasons but it was the culture but the Bible is clear that God's plan from the start and it's reiterated in the New Testament is for marriage to involve just one man and one woman after 20 years um, Jacob and his family head back to Canaan and the night before he meets Esau again which there must have been um, quite a lot of anxiety around that moment, Jacob has another encounter with God. And um, in Jacob's early life, we see him being impetuous, acting on his own impulses, 
later in life, and it's really interesting when you read that account, you see him asking God for guidance. In desperation, he's saying, I don't, don't, I don't want to move on from here unless you've blessed me. He was waiting for answers, for God's input. It's good to reflect, how do we respond to God? Which part of Jacob's life do you identify with, you relate to? Now, um, one thing I enjoy looking out for when I'm driving are clever strap lines. You know, when you're bored in traffic or <laughs> traffic jams and you look at uh, the name of the business in front, I found a couple of really good ones lately. Um, they're kind of statements of intent. I following a van recently from a stairlift company and it named the company, followed by the strap line, Elevating Standards. You think, yes, very, very good. Or a roofing company with a strap line, we've got you covered. It's really good, isn't it? Do look out for them this week. It's really interesting because somebody is paid to come up with these things, so they need appreciation. We're going to discover a kind of strap line um, in Jacob's experience, Jacob's response to his encounter with God was to worship and to make a commitment. He says, the Lord will be my God. So not just the God of my grandfather, the God of my father, but he will be my God. And he makes his commitment to God very practical. He says he's going to give God a tenth of all that God blesses him with. So think of that as a kind of statement of intent, a strap line that we can adopt too, because this is a theme that runs right the way through the Bible, that we are blessed to be a blessing. In fact, I put a little thing by my front door, hashtag be a blessing, as a way of thinking in the, this new chapter of life where roles aren't quite so well defined, you think that's the prayer, isn't it, that in every encounter with people, that we are in small or large ways a blessing, be a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. That theme runs right through the Bible. It brings real meaning to our everyday lives. Like Jacob, our response should be one of gratitude and one of trust. We're forever grateful that God has reached out to us. God showed Jacob that there are far greater dimensions and possibilities than he had ever before imagined. And this visionary staircase is a wonderful reminder to us that God has made a way. He wants us to know him. In um, John 1.51, Jesus refers to this, um, to this vision when he was talking to a guy called Nathaniel. And he says, verily I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So he would have known that Nathaniel was um, well-versed in the Old Testament um, scriptures. These stories would have been taught since he was a young child. So he refers to it and Nathaniel would have understood what he meant about this closeness to God, this reaching out. What an introduction. It's in John 1 to the Gospel of John, talking about a wide open heaven and God's power and love being made known. And we see that in Jesus' life, in his ministry and what he achieved. But this echoes Jacob's vision, doesn't it? The ascending and descending bit gives you that clue. 
But this time, it's Jesus himself who's the link between heaven and earth. He's how the realities of heaven come to us. Now, we can't build that staircase. We can't engineer a way to get to God on our own or to be, make our lives acceptable to God. Jesus has made the way. He's made it possible for us to come to God. And so Jacob's dream was in effect a vision of the purpose God has for all people, not just for these three characters, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's plan for all time involves a savior who provides forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And that plan was set in motion when God called Abraham and blessed him. And that plan was brought to fulfillment when Jesus came and when he died and rose again. And when we trust him as our savior, we're adopted into God's worldwide family. So we too can trace our family tree back to Jesus and these Old Testament characters who looked ahead to the fulfillment of God's promise and they lived by faith and that's what we need to do too. And that's what God meant by telling Jacob, all peoples will be blessed through you and your offspring because through Jesus, all peoples on the earth can be blessed if we respond to him. We're forever grateful that God has reached out to us. He's full of grace. He reaches out to unlikely, undeserving people like Jacob, like us. And God wants to draw us into his mission that other people will discover this too. Now, there's some recent research that's um, been republished. It was done a few years ago, and they've updated it, um, called Talking Jesus. The logos show the great organizations who've been behind this research. They found out that there are many, many people who said they weren't Christians who are open to having conversations about Jesus. And it lists the questions that are most often being asked by people who are not, questions, not Christians. So is there a purpose to life? What will make me happy? What should I do with my life? Will everything be okay? What happens when you die? Is there a God? Those questions kind of help us see the sense of um, anxiety and fear there is generally, isn't there, when there's so much catastrophic conversation around about the future. Will everything be okay? Will everything be okay in my life, in your life? Think about who we know. We know the God of hope. We know the God of eternity. This is the time when we should be telling other people about our experience and inviting them to explore this too. Think about those you know who, like Jacob, don't yet know that God is near. He would have had that sense that he was traveling away from his family. He was isolated alone. But God was near. He is near to all of us. Think of those you know in bleak places in their lives, like Jacob was, who need hope. Those with guilt and regrets who need to know forgiveness and the peace that comes with that. Those who are troubled and need to know God's 
peace. If we know Jesus, then we are blessed to be a blessing, be a blessing to others, to share what we have discovered. We're forever grateful that God has reached out to us and we trust his promise to be with us and to guide us. This um, teaching series on ancient foundations is helping us see how these stories of some Old Testament characters shape our understanding of God and help us face, face the challenges of life with faith. This promise that God gave to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob is his promise to us too. I will watch over you wherever you go and I will not leave you. These promises are repeated right the way through the Bible and don't we need to hear them? Perhaps they can become so familiar that we can fail to let the life-changing truth drop from our heads to our hearts. Now, this came home to me um, again 18 months ago when I had the privilege of um, um, visiting Israel. And one place we visited was the site of ancient Jericho. <clears throat> so this is the view from Jericho to Mount Nebo. Can you see in the background, um, it's very, very faint. It was a very hazy day. And um, that's not cloud, that's Mount Nebo where Moses stood and had a view out over the um, promised land that God had promised him. Um, and so it was a really moving experience to stand there. Um, with that view, Joshua 1 verse 9 records the words that the Lord spoke to Joshua somewhere in that photo. It would have been, I mean, maybe behind, I don't know, but within um, sight of where I was standing taking that photo. And this is what God said to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see this theme being repeated again because this is God's heart, that we would know his presence and know his empowering that gives us courage and helps us fight discouragement. We've read how Jacob heard those words about God's presence. Joshua made that real for him by responding to God repeating that promise to him because he'd start, just started a new chapter of life, hadn't he? Without Moses, all the time he would defer to Moses. Moses was the leader, and now he had a daunting challenge ahead. And in that moment, God spoke to him. And it was really precious to kind of be reminded of that, um, standing there too. And I'm holding on to those words. So there, and I don't know whether you can see this, but I put a circle around it because I got little stones because there was a bit of free time there and I wrote, be strong, thinking of that Joshua 1 verse 9, just in case anyone else there knew that scripture and maybe God spoke to someone through that. But it's what we can all discover, isn't it, that God is true to his promises. So what he promised to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, to Joshua, he promises to us, Jesus repeated the promise, I will be with you. He will be with us to guide us. He, we can trust his promise. He is faithful and he is full of grace. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you.